0: I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog.
1: welcome to the celtics pride podcast on celtics blog i'm adam motenko with me as always my twin brother josh
0: motenko warriors come out to play oh
2: my gosh
1: and my good friend mike minkoff
2: yeah i think we lost like two-thirds of our listeners who probably are not old enough to get that reference uh but i'm hype
1: (laughs) yeah that was a 1979 reference
2: I'm back to life after uh, passing out uh, with about a minute and a half left to go in the game last night. What happened, guys?
1: <laughs> Your Eastern Conference champion, Boston Celtics, going on to the finals to play the Golden State Warriors. Today, we're going to talk about the last series against Miami, and we will preview the Golden State Warriors. Mike, let me go to you first. How nervous were you at the uh, in Game 7?
2: It was such a mix of emotions in that in that period. I was also battling a unreliable stream of the (laughs) of the game. But the bootleg. With with three and a half minutes to go, the Celtics up 13 after showing incredible poise, um phenomenal defense for like a four-minute stretch, getting just enough buckets to kind of push the lead out. I tweeted so much growth. Thinking that they were showing so much growth from collapses of the past and that that 13-point lead would be uh, sufficient. And then immediately the Heat roll off an 11-0 run. And with 20 seconds to go, Jimmy Butler, the guy who has put in a heroic Game 6 and Game 7 effort, has that three-point shot in the air to put the Heat up one if it goes in. And I was... Not feeling great at that moment. So the answer is I was pretty, I was pretty terrified. Um, I mostly just really didn't want the narrative uh, around the team that I, I fear would have happened if, if it, had, if that shot had gone down and they hadn't pulled that out. Um, I think that could have gotten really ugly. And I love this team. I, I think their resilience and strength over the course of the game they came out to an early lead. They held the lead throughout the game, despite a lot of runs by the heat um, was just really impressive. So I was, I was terrified for myself as a fan, but I was also really nervous for the, the Celtics players and what they would have had to go through if, if they lost that game.
1: Thank you, Mike, for saying that. I mean, I, I'm excited about the, the finals. I, I'm loving this team. I think we all are. We're all happy that they won. This team has come so far. It's amazing. And if Jimmy Butler hits that shot and the Miami Heat win, it's a totally different conversation we're having today. Josh, what do you think the narrative is if, if, if Butler hits that shot?
0: Oh, doom and gloom. Uh, I think it's right back to where we were at midseason. Should we break these two guys up? Like all the naysayers, all the negative Nancy's are coming out of the woodwork saying, I told you so. Um, and and they were you know like a few seconds away from from like being able to do that you know we only want it by the skin of our teeth Mm -hmm. there isn't a single celtics homer you know ultimate celtics fan who never has any uh stress that can say that they maintained that type of composure when we're giving away that lead i mean that was that that scared my pants off (laughs) i don't i don't understand how we got that close i don't understand how we still can't close out games we're just like hoping and praying that the clock ticks away and that we we end up you know it's like we still have to score at the end of those games two minutes left we still have to score it's not like we're what? running out the clock then it's like the, the lack of composure is just unfathomable to me uh we play so well when our backs are against the wall and anytime we're, we're ahead it's just all complacency
2: i i uh... Yeah, I've got a run of thoughts here, so let me know when I can go for a bit. (laughs) Go, man, go. All right. It's not like we're shy
1: about interrupting.
2: That's fair, Uh, and nor should you be. Um, So I disagree with, like, I, so there were a lot of things about this series. I I mean, first of all, the shot didn't go down. We don't have to have that conversation. Um, And I know for myself, I would have been, extremely impressed by and, and happy with this team, even if we didn't win. I mean, it would have been a very disappointing loss, but it wouldn't have changed my overall feelings about this team. Um, That I, but I agree, Josh, there would have been a lot of people singing a a very different tune. Um, As far as a lack of composure, I mean, Jason Tatum came out with a mindset and there was a clear game plan and he stuck to it perhaps a bit to a fault, but I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. He consistently drew the, the second defender from the heat and made the right play over and over and over again, even during that that last stretch um, when, you know, there's an argument he was wearing the band of a guy on his arm that would have definitely forced the issue and just started putting up the shots uh, against heavy defense. And and maybe, Maybe Tatum should have done that. Instead, he kicked it open to Marcus Smart wide open for two threes. They didn't go down, but personally, I'm fine with Smart taking that and I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me that Smart missed. He missed shots, but they were good shots. Um, so I don't think Mike, we were overly he, complacent on offense there.
1: Mike, there's some that would say Marcus Smart took like four shots in in the that last period of time and, and he took the last five. He
2: five. took the last five.
1: You're fine with all of them.
2: Um, I would have to go. I, I don't remember all five of them. I think there was one, I, I'm fine with those two threes that I just alluded to. Uh, I think there was one drive he took that was a pretty reasonable one. There may have been one or two shots that were iffier. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I was I fine think with he had him one.
2: Too. I think he had one shot that was very bad. I think it was, if I'm remembering right, there was about seven seconds left on the shot clock and he took it with like both feet on the three point line um, from like the, the top right wing. That was a bad shot. Uh, But for the most part, everything else I was fine with.
1: Josh. I mean, I think there's a
0: narrative that, yeah, that says there's a narrative that says you can't win with Marcus smart taking all the shots at the end of the game or that he has tendency to play some hero ball and uh have some irrational confidence towards the end of the game to like he's gonna save the day uh and he does a really good job of that on defense but we don't want him doing that on offense but in a game like this and in a series like this when you're taking away jason tatum's driving lanes and asking him to move the ball around the court you need other guys to step up and so you know we need brown and 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 smart to to be there and smart you know came through with over 20 points in that game and you know he's kind of our third best player
2: yeah and and I mean, this Miami Heat team, first of all, they were a phenomenally resilient opponent, which is what I was scared about when I predicted that we would lose to them if they had a healthy Kyle Lowry, which I'm not sure I saw anything that dissuaded me of that, to be honest, uh, over the course of the series. though, we didn't have a healthy Rob, which would have been a huge difference. Um, But like, we can't drive into traffic against them right like they swipe down at the ball better than just about any team i think i've ever seen um they they and and we had a couple of drives in that last three and a half minutes i think we had where we were getting into we got it to someone in the dunker spot um maybe it wasn't the last three because i think it was grant but and they they swiped down and were able to were able to get the ball out of his hands um Amidst that, so like I just thought we made a lot of good team, good good plays and good decisions even during that stretch. Um, we had Miami made some plays and we missed some some good shots. Um, you know I think we obviously had a huge mental hurdle as a team of getting to the finals, getting past Eastern Conference, obviously getting winning tight games like that. Um, and it got way closer than any of us would have liked. Um, but at the end of the day, we won. And uh, that, you know, we, we never didn't have the lead.
1: So, Mike, I'm curious because the Celtics team, they continue this pattern of shifting their focus, aggression and sense of urgency. They're great after a loss and after a win, whether it's a, a win of a quarter or a half or a game, they, they don't play the same. What do you what do you make of that
2: i i i think this series you know r- revealed to us what we've known like this is a flawed team but it's our flawed team and they they have some really high highs and some really frustrating lows uh they continue to very incrementally improve on some of these areas that are their core weaknesses um Jason Tatum had 5.6 assists a game for the series, but he also had 4.7 turnovers. Uh, Jalen Brown had only three assists per game, handled the ball much less, still had 3.3 turnovers. Um, but on, on, this, on the flip side, Tatum, in addition to his 5.6 assists a game, had 25 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, shot 46.2% from the, the field, 35 Percent from three, 86 percent from the line. Um, really efficient, really effective, 25, eight, and and five and a half basically um, over a really hotly contested seven game series. J, JB averaged 24 points and 7.1 rebounds. He shot 48, almost 49 percent from the field and 40 percent from three. You know, so like. They are, they are extraordinarily talented, but flawed players. and But there are guys. I don't know. That's kind of how I, that's just how I feel. It's like, yeah, there's stuff they could be better at. Uh, they don't make it easy. They have these kind of maddening stretches or, or letdowns or loss of focus or, in, you know, um, they're, they're very susceptible to some of the most, like, common traits of human nature as far as those let, letdowns. It, it It's hard to imagine them going on like a multi, you know, three championships in a row type of dynastic run for that reason. Um, but they're also extraordinarily resilient mentally. The ability to kind of move on to the next refocus, um, I think, is really, really impressive. Uh, and I don't think we should overlook that either.
0: Josh, your you have thoughts on this? I think the complacency, it, it comes about because we're a young team um when you get up the risk is not as present right and so you're not as focused on the task you're you're letting your mind wander that's what complacency is you start thinking about how great it is that you're up and how you don't have to keep the the pedal on the gas and it's 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 fool's gold and like the, the teams who've been there know like the heat knew they have champions on their team like kyle lowry the warriors know they've got so I think it's the most, just the biggest disparity between games of championship or finals experience, um, you know, in the last like 30 years. This, this matchup head to head where the Celtics have none and the Warriors have so much, you know, however many games of championship experience they have on their roster. So, um, you know, it's great that we're able to, to really be resilient when our backs are against the wall. That's kind of the first step in this direction. But I'm, I'm kind of skeptical at this point in time whether we're going to be able to put that all together uh, in this upcoming series to, to be able to get the job done. Like I just don't think against a Warriors team the way that they're constructed now, that type of pattern will be able to continue. Obviously, it, it was able to work against teams that don't have a lot of three-point shooters um, or have just a couple guys that you need to worry about along the three-point line, and then other guys you can just build a wall with and sack off of, like Jimmy Butler or Giannis. Um, but the Warriors are, are different.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Josh. I, I don't think the Celtics can play this complacent after wins. And uh, as, as Ime Odoka and other Celtics players put it, they like to win in the most difficult way possible, I don't think that's going to work against Golden State. I don't
2: think they like to. I, I think well, they. I think they, they are acknowledging that they you tend know, to. They yes.
1: tend to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I
0: mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, Jalen Brown said, "I hate that about us—that we're always we find the hardest way to win."
1: And that's been. I mean, that yeah. that was absolutely the way that they were up until the half, uh, the regular season, and then in January they just went on a streak, and it showed up again—not uh, in the first round, but second and third rounds of the playoffs. That's absolutely what's been happening. They've only won two games in a row in the playoffs.
2: And that's how they were in the bubble. You know, it was the yeah. same thing. It was, they, they got up against Toronto and then it was, you know, they let Toronto get back in the series and uh, they had the tough slugfest against the Heat, you know, and they, they lost a lot of leads, late leads against the Heat in that game. You know, but so like, I think, I think Josh, you, you hit it on the head. And again, to me, like this, this, teams ahead of schedule they're really young typically your best player is like 26 when you're going to the finals and having a chance to win i think we have a legit chance to win this series it's far from a you know i would i think we're appropriately not the favorite to start the series just just out of respect uh, for the experience and championship pedigree that the the warriors have and i would you know one thought i had did have is that you know I bet Draymond and Clay and, and Steph are watching the Celtics squander another late lead and just know that they're always in the game, no matter what the score is. Like they're coming into the series knowing that they can get the Celtics on their heel at the end of any game with with just a little bit of a push. So like that terrifies me off the start. To um, and we're, we'll go into the uh, we'll go into the the final series more in a bit but that's just one thought um what else are you guys taking yeah. away
1: from this miami series other than i mean i've got a few things one grant williams is annoying i know that some thought he was before but i've learned I've, i i'm 100 percent in support of that he's he's annoying uh i learned that jalen brown can't dribble and is struggling with free throws it's like jalen brown went in a time machine and went back to not necessarily his rookie year, but maybe his third, second or third year. At least he's not missing layups. But the the missing free throws at the end of game six, that's troubling. And, and the way that Miami went after him and stole the ball from him and the fact that he not only didn't adjust, but doesn't seem to understand that it's actually his
2: fault. He did adjust. He shot.
1: The guy for- keeps dri- okay. dribbling into traffic.
2: I think I think you just have a blatantly false understanding of how this team works and communicates. Like you think, Ime doesn't have extremely direct conversation with JB about his like ball handling issues, his the his costly turnovers. Like JB, compared to what he was as a watch, some of his rookie drives.
1: <laughs> I, I think Jalen Brown <laughs> thinks that he's getting fouled
0: on every one of those.
2: I bet. In the moment he might, but i I'm sure in the film room he doesn't.
0: Udoka is telling Jalen Brown if you see a crowd back it out, pull it out. right? And I would agree with Adam on this one that he did that sometimes, but he still kept driving into crowds and he likes to dribble
1: with his head down.
0: I, no, I agree. it's it's uh it's, it's an interesting concept too, with how how like thoughtful and philosophical and smart Jalen Brown is off the court you'd think that he'd be able to apply that better than he does with his basketball IQ Not saying he has a low basketball IQ, but but he doesn't always adjust as quickly as other players do out there on the court. You know, thank goodness he made up makes up for it by continuing to attack the rim and putting pressure on the other team and making amazing layups and, you know, getting other players in foul trouble. And I mean, we need that. He's our best player in the open court to drive and finish. Um, and he may be the best driver in, in the entire playoffs left. I mean, if you if you look at the Warriors and the Celtics, both teams, like Brown's kind yep. of their best, the best driver on the court.
1: I agree. What else did you guys learn from this series?
0: You mean besides the refs?
2: I don't know if it's something I learned from this series, but... As, as, a, as a as a capper I did I mean I do just want to shout out how happy I am for Al Horford for making the finals after 141 games uh, playoff games the most in NBA history without getting to the finals um, uh, just a consummate teammate pretty awesome that he's in the finals um, and I also want to shout out
1: uh, yeah Mike and, and he's like when you when we talk when we talk about this team being young, Al Horford, like, unless they, they're winning now, the, part of the reason that I feel like th- they have a window here and that they need to take advantage of is because Al Horford has been their second, I would say second best player in this playoffs. Um, oh, you and, better
2: not You better not be after you laughed at me. <laughs> no, he <laughs> is. He has been.
1: He's been <laughs> critical. And, and so the idea that, that they're young and they're going to continue developing, well, Al isn't. And I, I, I worry a little bit about what this team will be without him. He's, I mean, we saw what, it, what that was, and he's made a huge difference uh, back on this roster. And, and I'm so happy for him, too. Like, and, and I love the way he handled it. You know, he put it all on the team and, and talked about what a great group of guys this is. And, and like, great for him, great for this team with him. I'm, I'm really happy about that.
0: I think one other takeaway from this Miami Heat series, and really from all the Eastern Conference playoffs as a whole, is just how physical it was. The amount of, I mean, first of all, the amount of players that we played against who are really good at taking charges and flopping. You know, I love Marcus Smart. You can't be good at one and not be good at the other. But Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are two all flop team members, I would say, along with Smart. Um, and when you have that, there's just so much contact. I, on every wait,
2: drive. I need, I need, I need to have a in the moment interruption pushback there. Kyle yeah. Lowry is on a different level. Kyle Lowry.
0: Well, he's number um, one.
2: I, I have never had the arc I've had with him from, like, you know, I, I thought Kyle Lowry was fine, a little bit of a nuisance. Then I, like, really respected him. Um, like The way that Raptors team won the, the, the championship in 2019 and the way he played during that, um, I thought he's been underrated. I was terrified of him coming into the series. But his, you know, this physically limited version of him just brought out the ultimate grifting uh and those he i've never been more annoyed watching an opponent than i was watching kyle lowry in the especially the last couple of games i, I just, agreed he was he was so infuriating to watch it was that was not basketball and that that was awful i really agreed. couldn't stand it so
0: the film that gets sent into the league uh and you know demanding that they do something about all the flopping is like 90 percent kyle lowry clips obviously
2: yeah. And Jimmy Butler, I actually don't, I mean, he flops, he embellishes a little bit, but he really does create like appropriate contact in the way, the way something about, you know, the way he's able to angle his body, uh, the way he's able to kind of get a low center of gravity and like, you know, turn his shoulders. He really does just get fouled a lot. Like sometimes he'll kick out his legs a little bit, but I don't, I don't see him as that much of a flopper, to be honest.
0: I know Steph Curry you know has a, a bad ankle uh, from the March game when he when Marcus Smart Dove on it um, and he tweaked it again in the last game against Dallas before coming back and playing the rest of the game. Um, but it just feels like whichever team was going to come out of the east whether it was Milwaukee or Miami or the Celtics, I, I feel like they would be at a disadvantage and be more banged up the Western Conference team. Obviously, everybody's banged up at this time of year, but I'm curious what you guys think of that. Like, Do you think the Eastern Conference team, in this case the Celtics, is at a little bit of a disadvantage just because of how physical the playoffs were in the East?
1: For sure, Josh. I think the Celtics are at a disadvantage. They're coming in really beat up. Golden State got much more rest, not just uh, because they ended their series earlier, but the previous one ended earlier also. Rob Williams. Looked okay in game six, but just not really right in game seven. I'm proud of him for figuring out how to get into the game. Everybody on the Celtics is banged up. But, you know, I want to say Marcus Smart. And he's got a bunch of lower body issues. Tatum's got the shoulder thing. But I, I, I White had a hamstring at one point, tightness or, or cramping. Uh, Jalen Brown, I'm sure, has stuff going on. It just seems like everybody on the Celtics is banged up. The thing is, and, and we don't play again until Thursday, so they do have a few g- days off, which is really important. The thing is, unlike the Miami series, where every game was you had one day in between, now, um, except for one of the games, you have two full days rest in between each game. You are flying cross-country, so that's a kind of a big deal. But I think as the series goes along, the Celtics will kind of even up with Golden State about who that's impacting more. Um, So I'm really excited to see how Boston comes out in game one, because either it's going to either they're coming out with energy as they should, or they're coming out with uh, a little less than golden state because they're they're uh, beat up more Mike.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big factors for the Celtics all season, um, frankly, and certainly in these playoffs has is Robert Williams and his health and you know, he was not moving well in the last couple of games and not having the Celtics not having as much time to kind of recover and get healthy as the Warriors have um, could definitely be a big deal. I think I think Williams a just increases a ceiling for this team to to that team that we saw over the last few months of the regular season that was clearly the best team in, in the NBA. And we have not been seeing that team in these playoffs, and Robert Williams' health is a big reason why. He would have made. I mean, he he has been on like a advanced stats basis our most impactful player in the playoffs in his current form. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to be clear, like he, playing only 22, 20 point, 22 minutes a game, twenty two three minutes a game. Uh, he has like the best. Um, wins above replacement and PER and all of that stuff. He just raises our ceiling so dramatically. He also helps uh, Tatum and and Brown cut down on turnovers by, you know, creating that vertical lob thread and, and yeah, that, that sucks the defense away from their driving lanes. Um, There's so much that he does on both sides of the ball for the team. So he's, he's the injury I'm most worried about Uh, Marcus smart is, Proving that he can kind of play even if he's banged up, and I think the the few days will will get him to another level of kind of health. Um, so I'm not overly worried about that, but I'm not sure we gave Robert Williams enough time. And winning Game Six would have been very helpful in that regard.
1: The last thought I have about Josh's question about uh, are the Celtics or as an East team are they at a d- disadvantage in the finals? I'm I'm the East has been so gritty and tough there's a part of me that, that feels like the Celtics are going to be the, the like more physical team coming into this series. But Josh, I'm curious what you think about that. Like, I don't know. I've watched some of the games in the Western Conference, but it doesn't, hasn't looked like it's been as, as much of a dogfight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. We're going up against a team that has Drayvon, Draymond Green. Kavon Looney has been a problem, at least in the last series with the, the Mavericks you know, they didn't, they don't necessarily have the best bigs. Um, but Looney has just kind of been annoying and stuck around the rim and gets a lot of offensive rebounds. And so there's, there's some toughness to that, but you know, when you're looking at like Steph and Jordan pool and Wiggins and clay Thompson, they're not necessarily the toughest guys out there. Uh, and I've only put clay Thompson in that category post-injury. Um, so I think when, you know, compared to our guys, we do have a shot at being the tougher team out there. So I'm, I'm actually really curious to see how that looks. And I'm hoping it doesn't kind of follow the determinant of whether we're ahead or whether we're behind. Like we may look tougher when we're behind and our backs are against the wall. And then we may look uh, weak or softer when we're acting complacent. So we'll see. Do
1: you guys think Daniel Tice can play in this series? Like who, what do you think the rotations are?
2: Yeah. I, I... No idea what the rotation are. I do I do think he can play. I also think Pritchard can play. Cause they don't they don't have bigs that can hunt mismatches the same way. Um that's one thing they don't really have like I mean they they could try to get clay and post-ups maybe on a guy like Pritchard, but they're they're or or Wiggins. Um, but I could see I mean I think we have Ten guys we could reliably go to if we in the right situations.
1: Wow, ten um, guys—that's like a massive amount well for Doka. Yeah, it,
2: it is. I, I'm not. I don't think we'll use ten guys, but I think both Tice and Pritchard could play without putting our whole kind of you know team at a at a clear disadvantage. Um, though Tice will probably have trouble with with too much of the Curry and pool actions. What do you think, Josh?
0: Right. So I think Tyson Pritchard can both play in this series. I I agree. We have 10 people we can go to. I think the Warriors have 12. They're definitely deeper than we are. I I think that the difference between the way we hunt mismatches and the way the Warriors do is we're hunting to try to get a one-on-one ISO on a, a weaker defender. And the Warriors are hunting by putting certain people in their dribble handoffs, their ball screens. Um, And their actions away from the ball where you have to both be in front of your man or in between your man and the basket because of the back door cut and be able to chase them around an off ball screen uh, around the three point line. So like, can Tice do that? No. Right. Like, so I think he can play in this series, but but they're they're hunting in a different way than we are. And so it's really about whether our how well we can defend those actions as a team.
2: Yeah. And that, but that's the thing. That's why, I mean, Tice is obviously not chasing anybody over screens, but the part of the reason that we've had as much success over the years as we've had versus the Warriors and uh, relative to the rest of the league is because we've, we have very smart defensive players. Um, And then with our current scheme with Udoka, and the, the very switch-heavy, but we always did the, this type of switching off-ball against the Warriors, I think, anyways, uh, yeah. with Stevens. Um, you know, that neutralizes. Being able to do that... One of the things that the Warriors are so elite at is, is they're running all of these actions. There's a lot of Im- Im- improvised decision-making that's going on. It takes truly elite kind of defensive IQ and togetherness to be able to kind of read what they're doing and make the switches in a way that doesn't leave somebody wide open or with like an open lane cutting to the hoop. The Celtics have that. They have all the ingredients like Al Horford and Daniel Tice kind of in the middle can actually be extremely effective because they have the the defensive IQ and agility to kind of read the play, get into a good position. I could still see Tice, you know, picking up some cheap fouls. Grant Williams can also do it in the center of the defense and they don't have anyone big enough uh, at Golden State to like really punish grant so we could we could see some grant on draymond uh at the five situations um and then again to me uh you know if robert williams is healthy that's like a huge just that that's a huge differentiator cuz i am curious about looney who you mentioned um josh he had he had some really big games once he was reinserted into the starting lineup in the western conference finals he's kind of like a bit in between uh more towards PJ Tucker, but in between, kind of PJ Tucker and uh, Bam Adebayo. You know, he he doesn't. He's not nearly the athlete that Bam Adebayo is, but he's a little bit more of a normal NBA athlete than PJ Tucker, who's more of a fire hydrant. Um, I'm curious. I don't. I think Tice would struggle with someone like Looney. I think I think Grant could be okay, uh, but I'm curious to see how that goes. I think Al could be okay, but we'll get beat up on the rebounds, if we have Robert Williams in there, uh, healthy moving the way he's capable of, then I think that neutralizes what Looney's been giving to them. So I think that's a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, and both Looney and uh, Draymond can't shoot from three. We want them both shooting out there, which doesn't mean we can slack off because they're likely to be in a lot of those actions setting picks um, and we need to be up on them to cover the shooter, uh, Curry or Thompson likely. Um, But I think Tice, because of his mobility, can do that. Um, The the key for me is uh, at least guarding Golden State. They just have such incredible movement on offense. And Curry is constantly repositioning and moving without the ball and pulling the focus of the defense. Like His gravity is just incredible. Um, And when you guys talk about Peyton Pritchard can play in this, who's he guarding? I mean, both Poole and Curry are, are somewhat small, but I don't think I want Pritchard on Curry
0: at all. I think he's chasing guards. Uh,
2: yeah, I think he's chasing guards. I'm okay with it. Um I I it it's not like he's going to be playing 30 minutes a game barring some really serious injury issues in which case we're probably effed anyways. But yeah, I think I think he can be in there. Um against either Curry or Poole we're going to be doing a lot of switching anyways, but I'm not I'm not as worried as it sounds like you are. I mean, the, Pritchard obviously is not anywhere near the same defender as a guy like Fred Van Vliet, but Van Vliet uh was it, you know, held up extraordinarily well against Curry. Um I think I think Pritchard, Pritchard could be like a very poor man's version of that and and be not be totally exposed. 'Cause cause Curry doesn't he doesn't mismatch hunt as Josh was saying, like the same way, right? He doesn't he doesn't it's not like he's getting a guy into ISO and then using force to go through him or, or just using his size to go over the top of him. I think Pritchard is well-suited to run around screens and, and just chase over the top of screens and, and try to force Curry to um, drive into the lane. And the guy that I think is exceptionally well-suited to that beyond the defensive player of the year is Derek white, who I think could be huge defensively this series. Cause he is going to be yeah. really important chasing Curry and pool especially over those screens and he's shown a really impressive ability to kind of contest shots from behind or from the side without fouling and that that i think could there could be some really big plays generated out of that ability
0: but adam you're right this is a very difficult team to to defend the the type not just because of the amount of movement that steph curry and um clay thompson have but just the amount of movement in general—it's just we, the sheer number of dribble handoffs we're going to see uh, at the top of the break with Draymond Green. There's no other team that plays like this. There's no other team that relies on that kind of movement around the three-point line with seven shooters on their team, seven of them. Um, you know, the number of the number of those actions combined with the number of shooters—it's a math equation because then you still got to worry about the backdoor cuts, which are always open. Um, and you can't guard the three point line and the back door at the same time. It's just impossible. So, our number one defense is definitely going to be put to the test against this basically a three point master class.
2: But they're also going to have to defend us. And, you know, it's, it's going to come down. I think a big, big key to the series is like how impactful are Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson um, on both sides of the ball? Right. I assume Wiggins is going to get this, the nod going against Tatum to start the series. I as wonder if Clay Donchish. is, yeah, as he did with Doncic. I wonder if Clay is going to be against JB. I, I assume he will be, Um, you know, if those guys successfully hold their own one-on-one and Draymond can be more of a free safety. um, That's a, that's, going to give the Warriors an advantage up front especially because we know as we just talked about how sloppy some of our decision making and ball handling can be uh with with intense pressure and I think Draymond is going to give us fits um but if if we're able to kind of get Curry into to mismatches and we're able to take advantage of those or if Wiggins or Clay just prove not not able to stick with kind of the size, strength, athleticism of JB and Jason Tatum. those And those guys really are uh, elite offensive players. Um, then, you know, then the Warriors don't have ideal answers. They've got a guy like Gary Payton, the uh, second, if he's healthy.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's playing. Uh, who's, is he?
2: Who's a phenomenal. I think he might be, he should be getting healthy around now. So he, he might, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the series but I don't know his wow. exact status but like he's a great defender and he's a explosive athlete but he's not like a good shooter. Um, not with so a broken elbow. You know, uh, definitely not with a broken elbow. Um uh they've got the 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 corpse of Andre Iguodala <laughs> who uh, again, Yeah, but he barely one of, all- plays. one of the all-time what?
0: He barely plays.
2: Yeah, he's one of the all-time great uh ball, you know, ball swipers though. Um I would I would honestly just put him in against JB every time and he'll probably get a steal like sixty percent of the times. <laughs> it would be, be disastrous. Uh he also had an all time shooting performance for him against us in the bubble two years ago when he was on the heat, which I'll never uh forget. Um but yeah, they don't have a lot of great options if if we can you know, take advantage of their their primary defenders, their likely primary defenders on uh, JB and JT, um, and I think we're a very tough team to guard too, especially if Rob is healthy. So yeah,
1: Josh, my my concern with Golden State on defense is that they communicate so well, and they they're so smart smart on the that the defensive side of the ball, it allows them to make adjustments really quickly to us. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you seeing from them on defense?
0: Well, I mean, just the way the Celtics play, I think we're going to be hunting. Steph, we're going to be hunting Jordan Poole because of their size, and we're going to be hunting um, Clay Thompson. I believe I don't think Clay is the same has the same lateral quickness at all that he had before the injury. And yeah, he is back. Yeah, he's averaging eighteen points a game and you know shooting close to forty percent. So he's almost back to his old self on the offensive end, but defensively, he's definitely struggled in the games that I've watched uh, in the playoffs. And so. But I mean they've always got Draymond Green, you know, the best defender of all time on their team, right? So um I think that they I'm sorry, will, pause. Hold put- on.
1: Wait. Did you just say the best defender of all time?
2: This is this broadcast is Celtic's Pride. You have two you have two choices. Bill Russell, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Draymond Green came out what this, earlier this year or last year, saying he was he thought he was the best defender of all time. So self proclaimed best defender of all time, but he do, he really does orchestrate their defense, like you know, like a, he's brilliant. He's like a brilliant a conductor. Player. So he's a brilliant um, player. And and he's one guy who impacts the game just like Marcus Smart does with winning plays in clutch t- you know times. And you know they're they have a a very good defense uh i'm not as worried about their defense just from the perspective of how we like to play um but i think you know they've steve kurz put in some zones that they've done this year that they hadn't really done in the past so it's i I honestly i think it's more to do with are we going to guard them like after all of the movement and all the actions are we going to limit them to one shot because here's the other thing come looney and Andrew Wiggins, they've combined for five offensive rebounds a game between the two of them throughout the year. They had eight offensive rebounds between the two of them in the game versus the Celtics in March. Um, Wiggins had 27 points against us that game, five for seven from three. Steph had 30 of his own. And then in the previous game in December against the Celtics, Jordan Poole dropped 29 on us. Um, That was so long ago. Romeo Langford started that game, and Ennis Cantor came off the bench. Remember those guys? So, yeah, we're one-on-one against the Warriors this year. In the last three years, we're five-and-one against the Warriors, and we're nine-and-five against them since 2015. I think we're the only team in the league to have a winning record against the Warriors in that I, believe, span, I believe that's since correct. 2015. I believe that's correct. So, yeah, we've had their number. We've played well against them. Um, we definitely have the talent to beat them. We've showed that this year. We've showed that the last three years. So, uh, it really comes down to, I think, just like we're young, the Warriors also have some young guys. They've got this, you know, they kind of, this year, their team is very different than in the past because they've got kind of the four-headed monster of Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole doing his best Steph Curry imitation and doing it well and being the quickest player on the court, Jordan Poole. He's really difficult to defend. He's the one guy that they may hunt one of our defenders just to blow by him. Uh, for a one-on-one situation and then andrew wiggins has to be in that conversation as a guy who on both sides of the ball is is one of their four-headed monster and then you got draymond orchestrating all the young guys um and and bielitsa their bench players but they've got a really deep bench they got guys who can shoot like just watching some of the past games bielitsa is is a sieve on defense we're going to go at him but he may make up for it by hitting a 35-foot bomb or grabbing a rebound and pushing the break. Um, he's a really amazing passer, so he's really good in their system in the limited minutes he plays. Moses Moody has come on and played really well, shooting over 50% from three in the playoffs in limited minutes. And he's played a lot more in the playoffs than he did during the year. So, you know, plus Kaminga, plus Otto Porter shooting from the corners and being a a 9 wing defender to help out on guys like Tatum and Brown like they kind of have all the tools to to succeed in this environment against the Celtics and it's going to be a real test for us
1: I've got three keys to victory for us against Golden State one we Mm -hmm. have to take care of the ball we have to reduce turnovers two we have to stay focused on defense or they're going to destroy us with their movement their shooting and their fast break offense and three we have to stay aggressive every game we can't play aggressive just after wins either winning a quarter or winning a game we have to push the ball after defensive stops we have to make quick decisions on offense we have to stay aggressive and I think if we do that I like our chances whether we're making shots or missing whether they're getting offensive Kevon Looney's getting offensive rebounds or not I don't care who's coming off the bench for them I think if we do those three things uh, I'll roll with what we get
2: yeah I mean I think (laughs) <laughs> I mean this team again it I don't know I I know they have these letdowns but I do I still feel like you're not giving enough credit to the mental toughness and resilience they do have Um. and and certainly their defense if there's anything that we can count on it's their their defense staying locked in relatively speaking Um. it, it won't be 100 percent perfect but the defense is and has been exceptional but i think i mean i think the celtics need a a real version of robert williams to win this series um i i would be happy to be wrong about that if we don't get a real version of, of robert williams um he just makes such a huge impact he and really does. um it's you know i think he he creates you know, having a guy like him in there makes it that much easier for us to aggressively go over screens and chase guys off the three-point line, or, or aggressively contest their shots in ways that make us less vulnerable to fouling. Um, him being there on offense makes it harder for Draymond to do all his Draymondy things, and makes it harder for Kevon Looney to get clean up every offensive rebound. Um, I just, I just think that like he's getting him healthy. Even if it means like sitting him game one and giving him two extra days of rest would be my key to the series. Um, yeah, seven. I, that I would be
0: seven days rest total.
2: Yeah, it's like that. I don't think there's anything else we could do because I we know who everybody else on our team is, um, and we saw what who Robert Williams was in game six and seven, and it wasn't the same Robert Williams that was like. You know, that once we put him on the on the offside wing, changed us from like a frustra- maddeningly frustrating team to a defensive juggernaut um, that the league hasn't seen in, in at least a few years. So that's my key. Mike. It's revolutionary. Get our best players healthy.
1: <laughs> Mike, I want to maybe we fight a little bit about this, but uh I agree with what you're saying about Robert Williams. I mean, that, that's huge. Uh, You feel like I'm not giving enough credit to the Celtics. Uh, I agree that their defense is is typically totally locked in. Um, This is a different kind of an offense that we're facing. It's less about building a wall against Giannis, uh, having everybody keyed in on him. It's less about... Uh, grit and and fighting through things.
2: I know, and we're the one team that in above five hundred against this team, this 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 core over the last five years.
1: This is about resilience, staying in the play as they change things up and and like try through twenty four seconds to get open threes, basically with with Clay and Steph. And and I'm I want to see what this iteration of the Celtics team looks like doing that. I think they can do it. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it, but it's different than the, the teams we've faced thus far, and I think there might be an, an adjustment there. But more so, like my concern with this team is the expectations are at a certain level. They have a shot here that I think is unique, that isn't necessarily going to be there next year, that they really need to take advantage of. We saw them in the second half of the regular season. Uh, figure out how to do so that hasn't shown the same, they haven't shown the same ability to do that in, in round two and three of the playoffs. And I'm like, I just really want to see them uh, figure out how to keep that focus, figure out how to grow and mature to think about how Josh put it about, about maturity and, and, and age based Um, decision-making. I mean, the Celtics have zero players who have finals experience. And I can't, I don't know. I can't remember how large the number is for Golden State, but that's a little bit of a concern for me. So the fact that I'm pointing that out, I'm like, that's not me focusing on the negative. That's me being concerned.
0: So the beautiful thing about this guys is that there's no secret to what the Celtics need to do as individuals or as the team, right? Like, The national media has keyed into all of the deficiencies of Jalen Brown, of Robert Williams' health, of smart shot selection, of Tatum's toughness or ability to facilitate so that, and, you know, obviously we have this coach who's very transparent and clear with his messages, which kind of are backed up by all the national media uh, narratives that, you know, we we all know what they got to do. They know what they got to do. They've been called out. And that's usually when these players rise to the occasion and actually do grow into what I think is, you know, this dynasty in the making. Um, and so it's kind of like, okay, we went through Durant. We went through Giannis. We went through the tough heat. And now we got this dynasty that's that we're up against that's been, you know, the, the cream of the crop for the last six, seven years. And it's kind of like the the end of the video game. You got to beat the big boss. And here we are. You know, with with everything on the table, there's no hiding anything. It's all laid out there for us to see. And, it's, and that's kind of the best time, I think the most likely time for these young players to be tested and to, to overcome those tests. So, I mean, kinda, I, I it, agree. It seems like it's working out perfectly.
2: I agree, John. I mean, the road has been crazy. This is kind of like the big boss. I, I do think no matter what happens this series, including, like, if the Warriors just sweep 4-0, which I would be shocked by, to be honest, um, this season is a resounding success to me. I don't know if every fan will feel that way. I I don't know, Adam, if you feel that way based on you feeling like this is a a limited window. I think it's a bigger window, um, even, you know, but we don't have to get into that. But so, like, part of the way I'm viewing this is, like, the, I, I won't be surprised if there are some bumps in the road. I won't be surprised if there are some things that you're pointing out that the Celtics don't hit on. Um, so you maybe you're right. Those are keys to the series as far as them winning. But for me, as far as like you know how I feel about this team and uh, now and going forward, um, and their, their chances of winning a championship in general, um, I'm going to feel good regardless of the outcome of this specific series.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. We would have felt worse... Have we lost to the Heat or the Bucs in an earlier round? Making it all the way to the finals and then losing in the finals is just such a different feeling than beating a team you know we were better than them, like the Heat.
1: Feels like it's time for predictions coming into the playoffs. We all assumed that Phoenix was going to win. Josh and I had Boston losing to Phoenix in the finals. Mike had Phoenix beating Miami. What do you guys think? So if I so predictions, uh, who's going to win this series against Golden State, and in how many games? I'm saying Golden State wins in seven.
0: I've got Golden State in six.
2: Mike, those were literally the two things I was debating between, uh, but I was leaning Golden State was seven. Uh, in seven, I would if 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 somehow. Game one comes and Robert Williams is the Robert Williams that there was we had in February and March. I would say Celtics in six. Uh, but based on the information we have at hand, I'm gonna go Golden State in seven.
0: Yeah, my mind's telling me no, but my body my body's okay. telling nope, me yes. Nope, nope, nope,
1: nope, nope. We don't we don't quote him anymore, Josh. Sorry. <laughs> A lot can happen in these finals. Let's we will be watching, we will be talking about it. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA and at Coach Motenko for Josh. I am not on Twitter. If you're listening now, consider yourself a part of Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog.